0: You say I need no introduction, Colin. Do you know the difference between an Englishman and a Scotsman and a Welshman and an Irishman? Do you? Well, two Englishmen, two Welshmen, two Scotsmen and two Irishmen were marooned on this island in the South Pacific and were discovered two years later. The two uh, Scotsmen had formed a bank and were trading shells with each other. The two Welshmen had formed a choir and were singing. The two Irishmen had killed each other off in a fight. The two Englishmen were waiting to be introduced. What are you, are you an Englishman? wonderful, wonderful to be here. And uh, time goes by so quickly. I'm curious, it's important that I know how many of you were here this morning. Hands down, how many were not here this morning? Just about the same. What I want to do is continue with what I said this morning. Uh, I think for those who were not here, I will sort of take five minutes to bring you up to where we were, and because I don't want to bore those who were here, wouldn't be fair to you. Let me read two passages of scripture. The first is Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25, and I'll read verses 5 and 6. Matthew 25, verse 5 says, the bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, and this is a word that really should be translated, in the middle of the night, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps." And now another verse is in Luke chapter 12. If you turn over to Luke chapter 12, and I'll start at verse 35. Luke 12, 35. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for Him. May God be pleased to bless the reading and the preaching of this His most holy and infallible Word. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by Your Spirit to be upon every person present that their perception of what I say will be received, as you intend. And upon my tongue that I'll be cleansed, my heart that I'll be cleansed, that I might be your transparent vehicle to convey everything you once said, nothing you don't once said. And I pray that this will be a moment that changes lives, that gives us the clarification of your word that we need and a word that brings great honor and glory to your name. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've seen this morning that in the very last days, just before Jesus comes the second time, that the church would be asleep. And Jesus said the church would be like ten virgins, five were wise, five were foolish. And the wise took oil with them in their lamps, the foolish did not. And the bridegroom didn't come as soon as they expected. Now, in the ancient Middle Eastern Oriental wedding, uh, it was a different kind of wedding than we have today. It was not in a church or a registry office. The groom would go to the bride's house, get her, and bring her back to his house. And uh, the wedding festivities could last seven days. And the bride never knew for sure when he was going to come. And uh, there were ten ladies in this case, ten virgins, but what would be done in an Oriental wedding, there would be several unmarried ladies that would accompany the bride. And because they didn't know when it would come, their lamps would be filled with oil, which provided the uh, illumination to see. Because sometimes, believe it or not, strange as this may seem, the groom would come in the middle of the night to get her. So it was the duty of these to keep their lamps trimmed and that there'd always be enough oil. And they would never be without light. Well, Jesus said in the very last days, the church would be asleep. And it would be like five wise, five foolish virgins. And the foolish, as I said, took no oil. Well, then came the cry. And as it turns out, Jesus said it would be in the middle of the night. Now, this is not 12 o'clock midnight. This is just in the middle of the night when everyone was in a deep sleep, and that the church would be asleep. Wise and foolish, this is the thing, not just the foolish, the wise and the foolish. And this being the case, I have got to say to myself, I'm not excluded. Who am I to say, well, I'm not asleep, I am wise, my lamp is trimmed. I don't think any of us could be so uh, self-righteous as to make the claim that we're not asleep, since Jesus said the whole church would be asleep. And I have to say that must mean me. And I'd like to think it's not me. But I dare say, when this cry comes, I will be awakened and I will see that I was asleep in a way I did not know possible. And the thing about being asleep is, you don't know you were asleep until you wake up. And you realize you were asleep, and sometimes you're horrified. I didn't, didn't realize I was asleep, and I think that's the way it's going to be. Now, when a person is asleep, he or she does things they wouldn't do awake. Your dreams, you do things in your dreams you wouldn't do if you were awake. And that is what has happened in our day, when the church is asleep, and... We just don't let things bother us. We say, yeah, it's really, these are awful times, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Back to sleep we go. We know it's not good. But there's no outrage. There's no sense. What is going on? What will it take? And we just continue to think, well, I know these are bad times. But what Jesus said is that there will be a cry. Now, here's the thing. There is a time lapse between the moment of the cry here's the bridegroom and the time when Jesus actually comes. And so I don't know whether we're talking about days, months, or a year or two but I'm certain of this that there will be an awakening of the church prior to the second coming of Jesus. Now I said also this morning that this cry will take place when the Word and the Spirit come together. This is not to say that uh, Kensington Temple does not have the Word and the Spirit, because I would say uh, this is as good an example as one is going to find, where the Word and the Spirit is preached, uh, centered on, focused on. But... When this particular culmination takes place, when, as I put it this morning, Isaac is born, something that's far greater than anything that's ever been seen, it will result in a cry that will go right around the world in the same way that 9-11 was known immediately. It went right around the world. That is what will happen when this cry comes and the word of the Spirit come together. Now, there's two things that I want to focus on this evening. The first is, what will it be like when the church is awakened? Now we know, wise and foolish were awakened. The problem is, the foolish were not able to enjoy what should have been the greatest celebration ever a marriage. We saw one yesterday. It was a time of celebration. Everybody was happy. And what is being described, both in Luke and in Matthew, is a time when everybody is so happy, so thrilled, and we all want to be right in the middle of it. So imagine a time when the Holy Spirit comes down in power. Wouldn't you like to have been present on the day of Pentecost? Now, what we have in Acts chapter 2, in my opinion, is just a tiny glimpse of all that was going on. For example, when they were laughed at and, and, and the Jews said, the trouble with these 120 people, they've got a hold of some new wine, accused them of being drunk, and Peter had to stand up and say, look, Couldn't be that. The pubs aren't even open, and it's only the third hour of the day. Why do you suppose they were accused of being drunk? It is thought by some that when they were speaking in other tongues, they thought they were drunk. I want you to know that when they spoke in other tongues, everybody who heard them heard in their own language. They weren't laughing at that. They weren't laughing at that at all. In fact, that was one of the things that gripped everybody. They thought, what is going on here? Here's a person who's speaking Aramaic, but I can hear it in Greek. Here's a person speaking Aramaic, but I come from another part of the Mediterranean. How on earth could I hear this? It was a miracle of the Holy Spirit. They weren't laughing at that. I believe that in the reason that Paul says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit... Is because wine can make you drunk, and so can the Spirit in a different way. And when the Holy Spirit comes on some, they fall, they laugh their heads off, and it makes people think they are drunk. I've actually seen this with my my own eyes, when people were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they seemed like they were drunk. Now, that's not always a good testimony, because sometimes outsiders don't get it, and don't think this is very funny and wonder what is going on. But I can tell you that is partly what was going on with some on the day of Pentecost. But we just have a little tiny glimpse, and I'm sure that Peter was preaching, others were witnessing, and everything was happening, and they'd never seen anything like it. The cry in the middle of the night will be a repeat if not greater, than what was done at Pentecost, because that was localized there in Jerusalem. What is coming next? It's going to go everywhere. It's going to cross geographical lines. It's going to cross denominational lines. It'll cross cultural barriers, geographical, religious. It will spread, and I predict... That there will be a revival among Muslims. It will be a lifting of the blindness upon the Jews. And when we talk about word and spirit, we're talking about, first of all, a clarification of the gospel. This is the thing the gospel, speaking generally, has passed behind a cloud. Wherever I go in the world and I preach the gospel, I am shocked to discover how this is new to so many people. He said, would you explain that again? And it is the simple gospel. It is passed behind a cloud. And it will be a clarification of the gospel, justification by faith alone. It was the teaching that turned the world upside down in Martin Luther's day, in Calvin's day, the great reformation. And then, in the 17th century, it passed behind a cloud, whereas in the 16th century, it turned the world upside down, and people were set free. In the 17th century, you had those who taught, well, yes, you're justified by faith, but how do you know you have faith? And they began to think, if you don't do this, you don't do that, and you do this, that's how you know you have faith. And as a result, everybody began to check their spiritual pulses. And they, well, I think I'm saved because I do this and I do that. And the glow and the glory of justification by faith alone had now diminished. And there needed to be another kind of reformation. But when the Spirit comes down, it will be a clarification of the gospel. And here's what happens. It's the Holy Spirit who gives insight. Now, you take this Bible. Are you aware that the Holy Spirit is the author of it? Holy men of old wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Every word is God-breathed. And so if you want to understand the Bible, you have to get on good terms with the author. And the Holy Spirit wrote it. And you need to have the kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit that will enable you to understand the Word. Uh, We were talking maybe 30 minutes ago. Uh, They asked me how do I prepare my sermons or how I used to prepare them when I was at Westminster Chapel. I can't say I do it that way now because uh, uh, I don't have the need to have to preach four new sermons a week. Uh, But in, in those days, I started my Sunday morning sermon preparation on Monday morning. And what was important for me is that I had a relationship with God, whereby I would hear God speak. And so when I would read a passage... If I was preaching through the book of James, we went through James, we went through Galatians, we went through Hebrews, we were ten and a half years in Hebrews, we were nine years in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And what I would do is not look at commentaries, because if I did, I would just repeat what they said. And I would ask God to show me something I'd never seen, so that it would be fresh to me. Now, there's only way that, one way that could happen, and that is that the Holy Spirit... The dove on me rested ungrieved. Let me explain what I mean. The Holy Spirit is depicted uh, or the, uh, as a dove uh, in, in the New Testament. The dove is a very shy bird. Uh, did you know doves and pigeons are in the same family? Uh, but uh, they're different. You can train a pigeon... But you can't train a dove. Pigeons are boisterous. Doves are gentle. Pigeons are belligerent. Doves are loving. And I could go on and on. The differences between them. The dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The pigeon, a symbol of the counterfeit spirit. And we need to have the kind of discernment to know. I've heard people say, You should have been in church Sunday. The Holy Ghost came down. You get to the bottom of it, you find out it was... Pigeon religion. (laughs) To know the real presence of the Holy Spirit. This is what is required. And when I had to prepare sermons, and I had to do four a week, four new sermons a week, I couldn't depend on commentaries. I had to have the anointing. So I started on Monday morning. There was one time In 25 years, only happened once, when I didn't have a chance to work on a sermon. I was preaching all over Britain. I was at this conference and that. I hadn't cracked a book. I hadn't opened anything. I hadn't done a bit of work. And it was Saturday morning. I said, Lord, you know what a hard week this has been. Please help me. Let there be no interruptions today, no phone calls, at least make up for the week. You know I couldn't help it, Lord. It's nine o'clock, Saturday morning. Louise and I got into an argument. It was a dandy, as we would say in the hills of Kentucky. Well, if you want to know, she was horrible. Now, oh. I slammed the door, went to my desk, put the Bible down. Said, now, Lord, show me something. Jesus, help me. Deal with that woman.. <laughs> Blank sheet of paper. 11 o'clock. Lord. Please help me. Please help me. Twelve o'clock, nothing. One o'clock, nothing. Blank sheet of paper, pen, open Bible. Two o'clock, I was in a state. Lord, please, you have to help me. Everything I say tomorrow is going to be tape recorded. It'll go right around the world. You've got to help me. Silence except a faint voice said, Really? Really? Three o'clock, four o'clock. You see, I was waiting for her. I went into the kitchen. I can see her now standing there. She was tearful. I said, honey, it's all my fault, and I'm so sorry. She said, well, it's not all your fault. It's partly my fault. I said, no, it's all my fault, and I'm so sorry. We kissed, we hugged. I went back to the same desk, same blank sheet of paper, same Bible, and I promise you, in 45 minutes, I had everything I needed for Sunday morning. Why? The dove came down. You see, he will not bend the rules for any of us. And when we have in Luke... Be dressed, ready for service. Keep your lamps burning. What keeps a lamp burning? It's the oil. The lamp is the Word. David said so. Your Word is a lamp. But the burning comes from the oil. That's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a person who can be grieved. In fact, said Paul, Ephesians 4.30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. The word grieve comes from a Greek word that means get your feelings hurt. So the Holy Spirit can get his feelings hurt. He's very sensitive. I've written a book called Sensitivity of the Spirit. It's not sensitivity to the Spirit. It's sensitivity of the Spirit. You need to know this about the Holy Spirit. He is a person. He is so sensitive. You say, well, he ought not be like that. I'm sorry, it's the only Holy Spirit you've got, so get over it. And get to know His ways. And as you get to know His ways, you begin to see how He's not going to adjust to you. You adjust to Him. And being ready when you know that the cry could come, means that you do nothing to grieve the Holy Spirit. I remember preaching in Florence, Alabama. And just before the service, I don't know what made him do it, the pastor, just as we walked in, said, what's a veteran like you got to say to a young whippersnapper like me? I said, find out what grieves the Holy Spirit and don't do that. I said, you've got your work cut out for you. Would you understand if I told you that the easiest thing in the world to do is to grieve the Holy Spirit? You don't know it when you do it. It's like the dove just lifts off and you're not aware that you grieved him. Bitterness always seems right at the time you're angry. But I can tell you, the dove just flies away. When you hold a grudge against anybody, you say, well, you should know what they did. If you knew what they did, you'd be angry too. I know, but the dove just goes away. You speak evil of a person. Well, you say, well, I'm just telling the truth. It may be the truth, but the dove just flies away. And I'm telling you, when you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, whereby you've learned how not to grieve him, and that the dove comes down, you see, the reason John the Baptist knew that Jesus was the Messiah was because he said, I saw the dove come down and remain. See, the trouble with me, he comes down, but he doesn't remain. He comes down, he goes away. He comes down goes away. and I don't mean by that that you lose the Holy Spirit. This is a metaphor because the Holy Spirit you've always got. But you can grieve Him. And the analogy is it's like the dove lifting. And when the dove lifts, you read your Bible and you can stare at the same word and you get nowhere. You get on your knees to pray. Your mind wanders. But when the dove comes down, the insight... And what happened on the day of Pentecost was this. Have you ever realized that it was the first time Peter knew why Jesus died on a cross? Why he was raised from the dead? You would have thought that after three years of training by Jesus on such intimate basis that they would finally twig and understand what Jesus was, ta- was saying. But they actually saw the crucifixion, but they didn't know why he was dying. In fact, they felt hurt. They didn't understand how he could let this happen because they knew he could walk on water. They knew he raised Lazarus from the dead, and the only reason he'd be on the cross is he's letting it happen, and they felt let down. But then when he was raised from the dead, oh, good, this is better. And then he would disappear. Then he would come back. And then the proof that the disciples never got it is in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, when Jesus showed up again, and they had one question, and it was the only question that mattered to them, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You see, the whole time he spoke, for three years, they could only think of one thing, because their mind was determined to see how he's going to restore the kingdom to Israel. That's what they thought Messiah would do. That's why they thought he would come. He would overthrow Rome. And he would put Jerusalem back on the map like in Solomon's days. That's the only way they could think. And even though Jesus kept saying, that's not it. The kingdom of God is within you. It doesn't come by observation. They still were thinking, are you going to do it? Now, Jesus has been raised from the dead. And they're still asking the same question. And Jesus just didn't answer them. He just says, but stay in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. And I want you to know that on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came down, it's like having a computer wired up a certain way that you press a particular button and everything comes on the computer and it's clear. When the Holy Spirit came down, it came into Peter's mind why Jesus came, why he died on a cross, why he was raised from the dead, why he's ascended to heaven, why the Holy Spirit had come. It was all clear. It wasn't clear until the Spirit came. And that is why he had such power, and he knew what he was saying. He knew what to say to everybody. And when this happens again, when the cry comes in the middle of the night, it will be a clarification where people haven't understood this or that. And they've argued about this, and they divide sides, and divide theologically over this. On that day, it will be clear exactly what this word is teaching. A clarification of the gospel. But there will be more than that. I listened to the testimonies. People that were healed, the man whose arm was stiff, and he could move his arm, and the crutch that was thrown away, and one or two other things. I just want you to know that after the cry in the middle of the night when the church is awakened, what you heard tonight is one hundredth of one percent of what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes down in power. You are going to see healing, blind people healed, crippled people walk. There will be occasions when God, just to show what He can do, raises people from the dead in a way that no one will doubt it, and they will see it. And instead of making everybody happy, they will be terrified. Because when this happens, in the name of Jesus, they'll begin to realize, this means there's a God. This means that the Bible is true. This means there's judgment. This means there's a hell. This means that my godless life is wrong. My immorality is wrong. I thought I could get away with it. Do you want to know why the world went mad for the theory of evolution? Do you want to know why? Because they knew now they could have their sexual immorality and not be bothered about it. Because if evolution is true, there's no God. They don't have to worry about it. And that was said by the leading proponent of the theory of evolution. That's why everybody wanted to believe it. But when this happens, instead of everybody being excited, they're going to be scared to death. And the fear of God is going to come. And that is what you have to look forward to. Now, I said this morning three things about sleep. You don't know you were asleep until you wake up. You do things in your sleep you wouldn't do if you were wide awake. And that's why the church is doing things it wouldn't do if it were awake. But the third thing I said, we don't like the sound of an alarm. But there is an exception. The wise will welcome the cry in the middle of the night. The foolish will be the ones that will not welcome. Because what? The midnight cry will reveal is exactly where you are spiritually. And so those, even though they're asleep, but they did bring oil with their lamps and they were doing their best. And they were like these where Jesus said, be dressed, ready for service and keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their masters to return. So that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door. Do you know what this tells me? I want to stay near the door. Do you know what it's like for somebody comes to your house and, and they knock on the door, but you're at the other end of the house? And they were there, and they keep knocking, and you don't hear them because you're at the other end of the house. Jesus said, be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. That means the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve Him. Don't point your finger at people. Don't hold grudges. Don't shout and raise your voice, trying to make your point, defending yourself. But the lamp is burning. The dove has come down. And you are where you can hear the knock. So when the knock comes, you immediately open the door. The only way you can open it immediately is that you're near the door. And that means that you are ready. You are ready and you are expectant. What I would like to leave with you on this visit to London is that there might be an expectancy... And that you might say every day, could it be today? You see, if you're ready for the cry in the middle of the night, you will be ready for the second coming. You don't need to worry about being ready for the second coming. If you're ready for the cry in the middle of the night, you'll be ready for it. And you will be in that era, and as I say, I don't know how long it will last, but it will be the most wonderful era ever where the Spirit of God floods the wise of the church, and they become the evangelists. They go all over the world. The trouble is with the foolish. They're going to realize that they had not been walking in the light. They're going to realize that they had not taken oil. They're going to realize that they held their grudges, wouldn't forgive, didn't bother them. They didn't worry if they did things that maybe aren't very nice, but it's okay. We're all sinners. And they live like that. And now, the cry comes, and they realize they don't have oil, and they're going to come running. Say, please help me. Pray for me. I'm sorry. I haven't been what I ought to be. And the wise will say, I don't know what to say. I've just got enough for myself. And so, the wise will be the ones to enjoy this great moment when it comes, when the Holy Spirit comes. And you will have the privilege of leading Muslims to Christ because the spirit that will enable you to speak will be working on them. You'll see the Buddhists. You'll see the Shintoists from Japan. You'll see them from every religion and from every nationality because it's a time when Jesus Christ will be seen as Lord, and all shall bow before Him, and from the throne of God, He will exercise His power, and there will be healing, there will be signs, there will be wonders parallel with this gospel. And the question is, are you ready for this? If the alarm came now, would you say, oh, good. You see, the wise people will welcome... The wake-up call. Let me just put it this way. If there was something that wasn't right with you in the eyes of God, wouldn't you want to know it? If there is anything in my life that grieves the Holy Spirit, I want to know it. I want Him to tell me. And so if I get a wake-up call, I say, oh, thank you. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will show me things about myself that aren't very nice. And I think, Lord, why have you just now shown that to me? But I think, at least you showed me, and I'm thankful. I want to know. I want to get it right. And I want to be ready. Because at any moment... Now, we saw earlier today how the Smith-Wigglesworth prophecy paralleled exactly what we've taught in other ways about Isaac coming and that it has to be coming very, very soon. If Smith-Wigglesworth has got it right, it's got to be very, very soon. You may ask, how is it, R.T.? Here you are, 77 years old... And you think you're going to be around to see this. And I admit that uh, that's a little bit of a bold statement. And what if I'm wrong? And I die. And I go to heaven. And they say, well, R.T. said he was going to be alive. I would like for you to play this tape. Because I just want you to know, if I don't see it... It's coming. It's still coming. It is coming. It'll be the greatest move of the Holy Spirit since Pentecost. And will precede the second coming of Jesus. If you're ready for the cry in the middle of the night, you'll be ready for the coming of Jesus. You see, you won't need to be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. If you're walking in the light. And so that when the midnight cry comes, you want to know. And if you're awakened, and you've been walking in the light, then you welcome this. Let me ask you, does it bother you if you grieve the Holy Spirit? Does it bother you when you know that if you had totally forgiven those people, the dove would come down, and you can understand the Bible. You know, people say, how is it that you understand the Bible? Some people say, how come you've written all these books? They think it's my brain. They think it's my education. I have to tell you something. It's not. It is not. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is able to take somebody here who hasn't got O-levels. And because this is his word, and you're on good terms with the Holy Spirit who wrote this word, he will show you things that PhDs haven't even thought about. He will show you things that people in the ministry never saw. Because it's the Holy Spirit, it's the anointing. And this is why you don't want to be like the foolish virgin that took no oil and they weren't ready. And so I'm asking you this question. Do you know what it is when the dove is grieved and begins to fly away? A British couple were sent by their missionaries to Israel. And they were to be missionaries. And a few weeks after they moved into their house the home in which they were given to live, they found out that a dove had come to live in the eve of the roof of their house. And they were so excited, it was kind of like a, a seal of God on their being in Israel. But they noticed that every time they would slam a door, the dove would fly away. Every time they would get into an argument with each other and start shouting, the dove would would fly away. And one day Sandy said to Bernice, how do you feel about the dove? Oh, she said, it's like a seal of God in our being in Israel. But if you notice that every time we slam a door, the dove flies away. Every time we get into an argument with each other, the dove flies away. She said, yes, I'm so afraid that he'll fly away and not come back. He looked at her and said, either the dove adjusts to us or we adjust to the dove. And he told this story all over Britain, how it changed their lives just to keep the dove in the eve of the roof of their house. Listen, the Holy Spirit is a thousand times more sensitive than that. He won't bend the rules for anyone For a minister, for a church member, you've been a Christian fifty years, you think that gives you status, no it doesn't. The degree to which you have the anointing, and that's the oil, in your lap, is the degree to which God will use you in understanding his word, and when you go pray for people and you see them healed. I've seen a few healings, so few. But I've seen some. I had a lady come up to me in Scotland. And she said, would I pray for her headache? And I was in a hurry to get to the next place. And I just put my Bible down and put my hand on her head and said, Jesus' name be healed. God bless you. Went on my way. I would have forgotten that. But four months later, she wrote me a letter and said, I've had the sinus headache for five years That week, the worst I've ever had, that day, I could hardly hold my head up. She said, when you prayed for me, I felt nothing. But a few hours later, I realized the headache's gone. And she said, it's never come back. That was four months ago. I didn't know that it happened. I wish I could tell you that every time I lay hands on somebody, that happens. I'm letting you know that there's coming a day. It is at hand. I don't want to miss it. I want to be ready for it. And I want to have my lamp trimmed. All right. Being ready for the second coming, all you have to do is be ready for the midnight cry. And the second coming will be the greatest thing in the world. But what about you out there? You're not ready for the second coming at all. And you need to know when Jesus comes the second time, he will have eyes of fire. When he comes a second time, it will come to judge. When he comes a second time, every eye shall see him. They also which pierced him. And all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. They will scream. They will cry. And if you're not ready, you will be among those. You'll say, oh, my God, this this is real. And this is it. And you won't care who's next to you. You'll pray then, but I'm sorry, it will be too late, because then you'll be praying out of what you see. God wants you to pray out of what you believe by His Word. This is just His way of doing it. This is His way of doing it. It's called faith. Do you know for sure, if Jesus were to come, you could say, come, Lord Jesus. If you were to die right now, do you know for sure that you go to heaven? Do you? And if you were to stand before God, and you will, and he were to ask you, and he might, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? What would you say? Have you ever been asked that before? I have a feeling somebody here, you've never thought about that. Do you not know it's the kindest question anybody can ask you? Do you know for sure? If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Or if Jesus were to come, you would welcome it? Or would you be scared to death? I can tell you how to know. But let me ask you, what would you say? And and you're standing before God, and he says, why should I let you in? What would your answer be? Would you say, well, I, I've done my best. Would you say, I don't think I've been a bad person, as if that would make a difference. Do you know what? You can be a very good person. You could be an upright person. You pay your bills, you're moral, you do your best to be nice to everybody, and you're known as a very nice person. I want you to know that in the sight of God, He knows what you're really like your thoughts, your words, your deeds. Our righteousness is as filthy rags in His sight. Even if you're the best person here. You say, well, I've, I've done my very best. I believe you. But that's not the way you get to heaven. What would you say to God? If the thought of getting in or being ready... because you think it's something you've done to deserve it. I have to say with deepest respect I wouldn't want to be in your shoes for anything in the world, anything. You say, well what would you say, RT? Two words, Jesus died. That's it. That'll get me in. The blood of Jesus, that's how I get in. And in asking this question, if it did not come to you to trust the blood of Jesus, if it didn't come to you to, to say, because he died for me, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes for anything, anything. But we can change it all right now. Right now. I'm going to give you a prayer, and you can pray it. Don't pray it out loud. Just say it in your heart because God's looking at you. The angels are watching. And you can just repeat this prayer if you can say it and mean it. Lord Jesus Christ, I need you. I want you. I'm sorry for my sins. Wash my sins away by your blood. I welcome your Holy Spirit into my heart. As best as I know how, I give you my life. That's it. Did you pray that prayer? Did you? Question, are you ashamed that you prayed that prayer? Why do you ask, R.T.? Because Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. I'm going to give you an opportunity to share with us that you prayed that prayer. In 30 seconds from now, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. You say, in front of all these people, yes. Oh, it's kind of scary. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Because when Jesus comes, you won't care who's there. You'll be crying out. All I'm asking you to do now is stand in 15 seconds. I'm not going to ask you to make a speech just by standing that will show you're unashamed. Five, four, three, two, one. If you prayed that prayer, stand to your feet. In the balcony, all over. Stay where you are. Anyone else? I'll wait 10 seconds. Don't miss this moment. You that are standing, if you really meant it, go to the nearest aisle and come right down here to the front. I want to pray with you. Come quickly. Just move where you are. Those in the balcony, it'll take you just about 30 seconds, but we will wait. We will wait. You know, I could have said, look, when you get home, you think about this. I would have done you no favor to do that. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, that's what you've done it. You now have shown The others are now coming in from the balcony.
1: Jesus, thank you, Lord. If you guys want to take a step forward, let's give it up for RT tonight. That was an awesome message. If you guys could just come forward right now. We'd like to spend a few moments with you. We're going to pray for you right now. And then one of our team members from the church is going to pray with you as you step forward in your relationship with God tonight. Let's give them a hand as they're coming on the right-hand side here as well to join in this prayer tonight. This is the greatest decision that you've ever made, to have Christ's forgiveness. And we're going to pray for you right now that God would cement that in Jesus name. Let's pray church right now. Father we lift up these people to you right now. They've come forward. They've made a step of faith because they need you tonight in this midnight cry. Father this message today of forgiveness. Father we pray right now in the name of Jesus today you'll wipe away all their sins in the name of Jesus and that today they will be born again. They will be saved in the name of Jesus as they confess you as Lord and Saviour. And Lord we pray tonight that this decision would be sealed in the power of the Spirit. Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Just as our team mentioned that, let the dove of the Holy Spirit just come upon them right now and seal that decision in Jesus' name. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus praise in this place tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to ask you guys just to come on the right-hand side into the back lounge where we'll have uh, some of our team members give you a Bible and uh, talk with you about your decision tonight. So just turn to the right-hand side of the platform, your left, and then just walk through tonight. Thank you.
2: Let's give these people a, an encouraging round of applause. God bless you. I mean, come on. This is the most exciting miracle that you can ever experience. Wonderful, wonderful. You know, um, RT followed on from today's message in the morning and if you missed it, you can pick it up. It'll be on the internet um, by tomorrow, Tuesday, or you can get a a DVD copy of the 11 o'clock and on this, but I really believe R.T. will be up up there hearing me now, I really, really believe that this is something which is opened up in a whole new way, not only in R.T.'s heart, and I believe he's going to develop this, he's going to continue to flow with this and teach on this, and it's going to be a blessing. And I really pray, R.T., if you are hearing me now upstairs just before you leave tonight, I really believe God's going to use you in carrying this message. I'm going to say all over the place as as God leads. And I know he's sown a seed for us to bring together some of the things that we've believed and understood from afar for a long, long time. To bring it together in a whole new and wonderful way. Stewards, would you please hand out the offering envelopes? We want to sow into R.T. and Louisa's ministry. I'd like you to check out R.T.'s website. If you just do a Google search on R.T. Kendall, I think it's R.T. Kendall Ministries. He has a Facebook and a blog, and uh, you can continue to, to follow in that. And you'll know that he's not in a salaried position anymore, but he does travel the world as God leads him at 77, 78 years of age pray that God will give him many, many more years of strength. So let us sow into that ministry. If you're writing checks, make them payable to KT, we'll sort it all out and just continue in that way. While you're preparing to do that, I want to make a few announcements and then let you know that we haven't quite finished our meeting tonight. After we've taken this offering, we are going to invite the ministry team people to come forward. And we're going to give you an opportunity to receive prayer if you wish to have prayer tonight. I may suggest some of the ways which the Holy Spirit might want to work tonight. I'll do that as the Holy Spirit leads. But really, if there's something in your heart and you really believe that God wants you to receive some prayer, these people will be ready to do that. So I want to encourage you. Tomorrow, we have uh, Robert Slerden teaching on God's generals at Summit House, which is our Offices and Bible school space there in Hanger Lane, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then into the week, you can consult the Revival Times, but we are on Tuesday night moving into our Living Free program, and there is Bible teaching, Bible training throughout the week. And don't forget, attend your cell group meeting. That's where you really get one-on-one fellowship and growth and discipleship. If you want to find out more about that, There'll be people here at the front of the church who will help you. Are you ready, everybody, to, uh, to give this offering right now? If you're ready, just say, mm hmm. Okay, well, there's a few hummers and singers around. Okay, please pass that out and just remain seating, seated as we do that. And um, then let me just explain to you how, how we do this. We like to give Sunday night especially an opportunity for people to be prayed for and the reason for that is there are no more jets on the runway. Here in KT on a Sunday 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, two thirty, five o'clock and 7 o'clock usually there's another jet wanting to take off and now this is it. The runway's closed so we have a little bit more time. Please don't despise the opportunity to give and receive prayer. You know that so often we ask God to help us and to bless us. Ministry team, could you come and stand while I'm I'm speaking now? And I believe it's important to pray to God on your own. Ask Him. He will answer your prayers. He will bless you. But there is a wonderful principle in the body of Christ. And that is that He will minister to you through your brothers and sisters. In other words... The Holy Spirit who lives in us will connect with the Holy Spirit in you and the needs that you have. And these people have been instructed, not in any great complicated way, but been trained to say, let's ask the Holy Spirit how he wants to work in people's lives. And so tonight, if you have a need and you would like to receive some prayer, just come make your way to the front. And after a few minutes, we'll give you an opportunity for those of you who need to be dismissed and to, to go on home. After a few minutes, we'll let you know when that is uh, appropriate. But right now, if you have a need in your body or in any way at all, if you'd like to come for prayer for these people, just come out of the seats where you are. And uh, we could also be worshiping the Lord as we do this. So let, let's stand now. And as this worship song... Um, we begin to worship the Lord with a song, give you an opportunity. Um, By the way, just one or two words are coming out. There's somebody here with a particularly difficult problem in your shoulder. I just feel sharp pain in your shoulder, and uh, I believe God's going to set you free from that. So if you have pain in your shoulder tonight, quite sharp pain, would you make your way forward right now? Okay, wherever you are, come forward for that. Okay, there you are. That's a good one. All right. Um, other people as well. So while these people are coming, please come. I don't want to call out every th- condition that I kind of perceive needs to be prayed for. You know what your need is, and the Holy Spirit is here. So let's worship God and really enter into that spirit of worship as we continue to wait on the Holy Spirit tonight.
0: Lord, I am thirsty, thirsty for your presence, Lord. I-